Good morning and welcome to the St. Thomas Episcopal Church Virtual Worship. Today we celebrate morning prayer right too and you can follow along in the attached bulletin. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Dearly beloved, we have come together in the presence of Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, to set forth His praise, to hear His Holy Word, and to ask for ourselves and on behalf of others those things that are necessary for our life and our salvation. And so that we may prepare ourselves in heart and mind to worship Him, let us kneel in silence with penitent and obedient hearts, confess our sins, that we may obtain forgiveness by His infinite goodness and mercy. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart, and we have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on us. Forgive us all our sins through our Lord Jesus Christ. Strengthen us in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep us in eternal life. Amen. Lord, open our lips, and our mouth shall proclaim your praise. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and raise a loud shout to him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the caverns of the earth and the heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his for he made it and his hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us bow down and bend the knee and kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Oh, that today you would hearken to his voice. Psalm 123 To you I lift up my eyes, to you enthroned in the heavens. As the eyes of servants look to the hand of their masters, and the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God, until he show us his mercy. Have mercy upon us, O Lord, have mercy, for we have had more than enough of contempt, too much of the scorn of the indolent rich, and of the derision of the proud. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from Judges. The Israelites again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. So the Lord sold them into the hand of King Jabin of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harasheth Haigim. Then the Israelites cried out to the Lord for help, for he had nine hundred chariots of iron, and had oppressed the Israelites cruelly for twenty years. At that time Deborah, a prophetess, wife of Lapidoth, was judging Israel. She used to sit under the power of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites came up to her for judgment. She sent and summoned Barak, 
son of Abinoam, from Kadesh in Naphtali, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take position at Mount Tabor, bringing ten thousand from the tribe of Naphtali and the tribe of Zebulun. I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the Wadi Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Canticle 9, the first song of Isaiah. Surely it is God who saves me. I will trust in him and not be afraid. For the Lord is my stronghold and my sure defense, and he will be my savior. Therefore, you shall draw water with rejoicing from the springs of salvation. And on that day, you shall say, give thanks to the Lord and call upon his name. Make his deeds known among the peoples. See that they remember that his name is exalted. Sing the praises of the Lord, for he has done great things, and this is known in all the world. Cry aloud, inhabitants of Zion. Ring out your joy, for the Great One in the midst of you is the Holy One of Israel. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. A reading from First Thessalonians. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers and sisters, you do not need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. When they say, There is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them, as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and there will be no escape. But you, beloved, are not in darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light and children of the day. We are not of the night or of darkness. So then, let us not fall asleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who are drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober and put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet the hope of salvation. For God has destined us not for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live with him. Therefore encourage one another, and build up each other, as indeed you are doing. The word of the Lord. Canticle 13, A Song of Praise Glory to you, Lord God of our fathers. You are worthy of praise. Glory to you. Glory to you for the radiance of your holy name. We will praise you and highly exalt you forever. Glory to you in the splendor of your temple, on the throne of your majesty. Glory to you. Glory to you, seated between the cherubim. We will praise you and highly exalt you forever. Glory to you, beholding the depths. In the high vault of heaven, glory to you. Glory to you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We will praise you and highly exalt you forever.
According to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus said, It is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his ability. Then he went away. The one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them, and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with them. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. The master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I have made two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid. I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy slave, you knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter. Then you ought to have invested my money with bankers, and on my return I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him, and give it to the one with ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have in abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless slave, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I took my two daughters camping last weekend at the Briarfield Iron Works outside of Montevallo, Alabama. It is the site 
of an iron furnace that was built in the mid-1800s, a place that could produce over two tons of iron every day at its height. Of course, my girls didn't care anything about that. They simply wanted to run around, eat s'mores, and, and roast hot dogs over the fire. But maybe the problem was they couldn't see themselves in the story. And so we had to walk around the furnace. We had to walk above it and around the sides. I had to have them touch some of the bricks and pick up some of the coal that had spilled out from the mule trains over 100 years ago. And it's still, you can find embedded in the soil. I had to have them sit down and open their imaginations and experience the story in a larger way and say, just imagine that we see the heat of, that you can feel the heat of this furnace the heat that must have been so powerful that the walls had to be over 10 feet thick of, of bricks. I need you to think of the heat that you can feel on your face and the back of your hands that if you get too close, it kind of singes the hair on your arms. I want you to smell the donkeys the, the, and the mules that were creating these trains carrying wagon loads of, of coal to fuel this fire. I want you to, to see the hundreds, if not thousands of men milling about working together in unison from the sun up until sunset every day. And also think of the larger story, that this was an iron furnace using and melting and creating iron that would, be, that would produce weapons for the Civil War, a time that was full of tragedy and heartbreak, a time of great dividedness in our country, where cousins and brothers were fighting against each other in one of the most brutal awful and evil wars this country has ever seen. The violence is unspeakable. And yet we learned through that period about the healing of a nation after such dividedness. That we can see how the country can rebuild itself and come back together and work together and celebrate our national unity. And through that maybe if we can expand our imaginations even larger we can see lessons that carry to 2020, and maybe we can learn about what it's like to bring a country back together, to be unified, to work together to overcome huge global obstacles that face us as a nation, crises uh, in healthcare and a global pandemic, crises over the environment and global warming. And so as I'm telling my daughters this, right, they're not fully making all the connections, but I'm saying maybe the problem is that our imaginations aren't large enough to see ourselves fully in this story, but when we do, then it becomes alive. Then the crises that we're facing right now, we can find answers and maybe hope for rooted in that iron furnace built 150 years ago. I think there's something similar to the story today. The story in the Old Testament is tragically cut off right before the very best part. It's the story of Deborah. The, the army of Israel is facing an existential threat. Right There's another army that's rising up, kind of like locusts, rising up over the horizon. They're so great it's going to black out the sun. And the commanding officer, the general, Barak, comes to Deborah. She's the high priestess, the prophet of God. He comes to this woman, and he says, Deborah, like... Help us, lead us, guide us, give us inspiration, give us hope. And Deborah says, the Lord will be with you. You know, take your armies to the fields and, and trust that the Lord is there. This is about the time when my daughters would be 
zoning out and no longer paying attention. I say, and tragically, that's where the story ends today. But we have to read the next few lines because the next few lines are some of the greatest lines ever written in the Old Testament. They're so wonderful and violent and intense and tragic. Because the story goes on, the Deborah says, And look, Barak, because you've doubted the Lord, that he will give you victory, but at the hands of a woman. So as they're fighting this battle, right, and the, the, the tide begins to turn in favor of the Israelites. And this is much like the Civil War. This is bloody and evil and violent and gruesome. And it's so intense. And maybe we need to expand our imaginations to see what, what it's like in that battlefield. Can you smell the dirt that's being churned up under the hooves of thousands of horses and chariots? Can you smell the sweat off the bodies of, of thousands of men, scared and angry and fearful and furious? Can you sense the panic on the, on, the opposite, on the opposing general, Sisera, as he's running away from the battlefield, fleeing for his life? You can hear him panting out of breath when he comes upon a tent, the tent of a woman named Jael. And Jael, her name literally means Yahweh is God. Yael. Jael. He goes into her tent and he says, uh, hide me, hide me, you know, save my life. And maybe he's kind of claiming this tent as his own. Maybe he's coming and taking possession of it. And Jael knows that this is the very enemy of Israel. This is the enemy of the existence of Israel. And this is her greatest foe. She lulls him to sleep in her lap with a warm bowl of milk. And she takes his life with a hammer and a tent peg. And in that, and while it's brutal and awful, it's also the end of the war. It's also the salvation of the country. It's also hope for the future. It's also a story about the empowerment of women, the boldness of women, how God has used women at every moment of his story to continue uh, the history of Israel and the people of God. In the Victorian age, women would have their portraits made and they'd have painted into their hands a hammer and tin peg. Summoning that courage, that ferocity, that power of Jael. And if I were to tell my daughters this story, I would hope that they could then see themselves in the continuation of that story. That God is, is the God of all people and the God of all life who empowers women through the Me Too movement, through uh, 2020, and into the hopes of my daughter's future, when I can look at them in the eye and say, You can do all things. You can have any job. You can do uh, whatever you feel called to do. You could be an astronaut. You could be the, the president of the United States. And to my daughters to say, and you don't have to ever let a man take your tent. And you don't ever have to depend on anyone because God is with you and God loves you and God empowers you just as he did Jael. Maybe sometimes when we're reading the stories of Scripture, that seem dry or boring or out of date. The problem is only one of our imagination, that we're not seeing the fullness of the story and that somehow we're not able to put ourselves into that story. But we're not left hopeless. But there are ways that we can insert ourselves. There are ways that we can blow up the stories to see it from different angles, to sense it, to smell it, to taste it, to feel it on the backs of our arms and the back of our necks. The gospel reading today is the story of of the wise investors, or the story of the talents and, and people who use their talents to grow them. And across the country, at every Episcopal church, 
this story is used typically as a stewardship sermon, right? As a time to talk about stewardship, how we offer not only our time to our church and not only our passions and our talents, but it's also a story of how we offer our our blessings, our gifts, our talents, our monies, our fortunes. That if we are so blessed to have income, that we give some of that back to the Lord and to the ministries of the church. That we give out of our first fruits to sustain the ministries that we believe in. But there's something more than this, right? We talk about stewardship every year. Like, why is it important to give to the church? Well, it's important to sustain our church. It's important to sustain the ministries we believe in. It's important because it reorients our life towards God. That we know Christ, Christ told us that we can't, no person can serve two masters. And the greatest master of this world is wealth. And that we can't serve both God and wealth at the same time. A house divided will fall. And so he says, so store up your treasures in heaven. And we do that by giving out of our abundance. We give so much that it hurts. We give so much that it forces us to consider God in every action. That we give in a way that I say, it's like we, we give in a way like when we're making our grocery list, that it's one of the staple items. It's not getting a candy bar as we're walking out of the, out of the store, right? The last minute purchase that costs us almost nothing. No, we put it on our list before we go in to say this is our priority. This is how we feed ourselves and nourish ourselves. That we give to the church because that's where we find nourishment and growth. Even in years like 2020, when the role of our church has evolved and changed, maybe we spend less time inside the building. But we know that we need this church to survive for 2021 and 2050 and 2100 for our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, because we believe not only in the power in the ministries of church, but we believe in the power and ministries of God. But I think there's something more about this story. That when, when the wise investor invests his talents and doubles it, and he makes 10 talents, he has 10 talents and he makes 10 talents, or the one who has five talents and he invests it, in part, he becomes part of the story. Maybe it's part of expanding your imagination and seeing that you have a vital role in this story, in God's story. And maybe what Jesus is saying is that when we give out of ourselves, out of our abundance, when we give, when we tithe. It's another way to enter into that story of God fully. That we say, I'm invested in God's mission in the world. I am part of God's ongoing story. Just in the way I want my daughters to grow up to be powerful and fierce and fearless and brave. That I want them to look back and say, I am rooted in the story of Jael and her victory and I too am a powerful woman emboldened by God. I can be the prophet like Deborah whom men will come to seek my wisdom and counsel. I want my daughters to see themselves so rooted, but to see ourselves rooted in this ongoing story takes this action that we have to give of ourselves. And what we give primarily is out of our wealth. We're giving in a way that invests, literally invests ourselves into the story of God. I know no one's excited to hear a stewardship sermon. No one gets fired up for Stewardship Sunday and we can't wait to talk about pledging. But I do. I get excited about it because it's the most uncomfortable thing in our lives. Talking about our money is second only, 
uh, to talking about our politics. It's the last thing we want to do over dinner. It's the last thing we want to do with our friends. And yet it's the most, one of the most important parts of our lives. It's central to, to how we move through life. How we uh, go to the grocery store and buy our food or the houses we buy or the, the cars we have or the vacations we take. It's the driving force that propels us out into the workforce. It's the driving force of life in so many ways. And that we can use that money to reorient our vision and say, the driving force of my life is not my money. It's not my house. It's not my job. It's not my career. It is my God. And nothing comes before that. That when I wake up in the morning, God is the first thing on my lips. And when I go to sleep, it's the last thing. That my relationship with God shapes all that I do. And every relationship I have flows out of that. And so I encourage you, friends, wherever you are in the world today, to to think about how you're part of God's story. How you are rooted in the story that begins Genesis 1. In the beginning, when the, the all was covered and the deep void was covered by the very breath of God. And the, the breath of God hovered over the deep. And God called out, let there be light. To the moment when that light came into the world in the person of Jesus Christ. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. To the stories of Jesus walking through the fields, teaching and preaching and healing. To the moment of the great resurrection when Jesus Christ broke open the tomb and came out defeating death once and for all. To the moment that you took your first breath. When you were knit together in your mother's womb and that you were born into this world to the moments of your great triumphs and your tragedies, your failures and your successes, that God is with you and that you are the future of God's story. So I encourage you today to think not only of stewardship, but of your life as part of the integral mission and ministry of God's work here in this world. May your imagination grow large enough to see yourself as integral to the mission and ministry of God's work and God's story in this world. Amen. The Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Lord be with you, and also with you. Let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Show us your mercy, O Lord. And grant us your salvation. Clothe your ministers with righteousness. Let your people sing with joy. Give peace, O Lord, in all the world. For only in you can we live in safety. Lord, keep this nation under your care. And guide us in the way of justice and truth. Let your way be known upon earth. Your saving health among all nations. Let not the needy, O Lord, be forgotten. Nor the hope of the poor be taken away. Create in us clean hearts, O God. And sustain us with your Holy Spirit. Blessed Lord, who caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant us so to hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. O God, you make us glad with the weekly remembrance of the glorious resurrection of your Son, our Lord. Give us this day such blessing through our worship of you, that the week to come may be spent in your favor. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, in you we live and move and have our being. We humbly pray you so to guide and govern us by your Holy Spirit, that in all the cares and occupations of this life we may not forget you, but remember that we are ever walking in your sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hard wood of the cross, that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your spirit, that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you to the knowledge and love of you. For the honor of your name. Amen. Almighty God, Father of all mercies, we, your unworthy servants, give you humble thanks for all your goodness and loving kindness to us and to all whom you have made. We bless you for our creation, preservation, and all the blessings of this life, but above all for your immeasurable love and the redemption of the world by our Lord Jesus Christ, for the means of grace and for the hope of glory. And we pray, give us such an awareness of your mercies that with truly thankful hearts we may show forth your praise, not only with our lips but in our lives, by giving up ourselves to your service and by walking before you in holiness and righteousness all our days. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, to whom with you and the Holy Spirit be honor and glory throughout all ages. Amen. Almighty God, you have given us grace at this time with one accord to make our common supplication to you. And you have promised through your well-beloved Son that when two or three are gathered together in his name, you will be in the midst of them. Fulfill now, O Lord, our desires and petitions as may be best for us, granting us in this world knowledge of your truth and in the age to come life everlasting. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia, alleluia.